0: Hi, I'm Jessica Hampson, and this is the People Before Profits podcast. We talk to ordinary people about extraordinary things. In part one of the podcast, Roots Into Law, we're gonna have a look at what everyone's role is in the firm, the different fee structures, what the clients look like, the different areas of law. We also get into tuition fees, and what really prompted everyone to get into the law. Hi everyone, I'm Jessica Hampson and this is the People Before Profits podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. We are going to talk about all of our different routes into the law and I'm joined today by my favourite type of guests, the staff that we have here at CEL Solicitors. We have Celeste, we have Dora and we have James. I'm just going to kick off Super easy question. Just tell me a little bit about your job role, who you are, and what you do at CEL. So, if I start with you, Celeste.
1: Yeah. So, hi. I'm Celeste. Um, I'm currently a trainee solicitor, and I work on Mark's team, which is essentially a broad term for everything different, (laughs) everything civil, anything civil litigation. Um, so we do secret commission claims data breach claims Japanese knotweed claims um, some private client stuff and um,
0: financial mis-selling. it's really interesting isn't it because you have a really interesting and varied role you know sometimes mm. people get pigeonholed into one area in particular or they just want to specialize in one yeah. area what do you think are the pros and cons of doing so many different areas
1: yeah I think in my opinion there's more pros to cons i think having a more varied caseload gives you a lot more different opportunities um for your own progression for your own self development and um, to understand different areas of yeah. the law because even though it's all under you know civil litigation there's a lot of different types of areas of law that i think you know it's really useful to have that experience in um especially with like private um paying clients and it, that could literally be anything under the sun um so i find that really really interesting
0: And I think it's a completely different model to fixed fee, isn't it? When you've got a private client. It's totally different qualities. And yeah. One thing I'm really conscious, I spoke to you guys at the beginning about this, um, and girls, was uh who the listeners are and Mm. what they're thinking about. And one thing that I ask everybody that I mentor to think about is what type of firm do you want to work at? And the questions are actually. Who do you want to be working for? What do your clients look like? Yeah. What type of fee structure do you have? Or is it legal aid? Is it mm. fixed fee? Is it no win, no fee? Is it private pay? And These are all the questions that you should be asking yourself about the firm. And I think this isn't something that I was taught. You sort of just rock up to the firm and you have to go with whatever yeah. structure. So it's just something yeah. to bear in mind, isn't it? Yeah,
1: you don't ever really think about, you know, what, kind of behind the scenes like the way a claim is funded but i think that it's really like you say it's really interesting you get a lot of different types of clients that come with the different types of fee structures as well so not only do you get a lot of different exposure and experience to different areas you get a lot of exposure and experience to just people in general and a different clientele and i think that's a really good skill for a lawyer
0: to have absolutely
2: absolutely great introduction Mm -hmm.
0: dora over to
2: you right so i'm dora uh, I work at Celeste's team as well. So we are both on Mark's team. We do deal with everything under the sun, as Celeste said. Um, Secret commission claims, civil litigation, Japanese knotweed, property disputes, anything someone could potentially think of, which as Celeste said might actually sound a bit repetitive, but we do deal with the same thing. Um, being on Mark's team is also quite fun because we have so many different people as well that we all deal with so many more different cases. So we every day... We mind blowing each other like, oh, did you find out about this case I have? Did you find out about this case I have? And it's amazing how we combine so many facts and new kind of areas of law that yesterday we didn't know about, but today we're exploring because we have a new client that has a case on that. Um, I'm loving that. I love how different it is every day. And what level are you up to in your career? Right. Yeah. So um, I am a paralegal at the moment. I'm a very ambitious paralegal. Actively looking for a training contract, aren't you? um, actively. I just feel like what is for you won't go by you. I'm doing my best and I feel like my colleagues, my managers and my surroundings do know that I am doing that. I am giving back the way they gave to me when I first joined the team and the firm. So I am actively looking for one. However, if one doesn't come, I know that it's going to come at some point. So I'm enjoying my job every day.
0: Yeah and I think out of everybody listening or watching this podcast they're going to relate to you the most because most people are going to be in your position yeah. so they'll be really interested to hear your thoughts on everything and you have a really interesting journey into the law as well which we'll be exploring later so thank you. can wait. <laughs> Over to you James. Hi
3: I'm James um, I only started a few months ago now but it's flown by. I essentially work in our fraud department um, in particular, most recently working with the financial ombudsman service directly. So essentially what I really love about the work we do is because we operate separate agreement models to what you guys operate under, we do a no win, no fee. So we really see a wide range of clients who really, in some cases don't have anywhere else to turn. They've tried already with their banks in some cases, and it's just, it's heartbreaking. So I think one of the really rewarding aspects of what we do in fraud is that we're giving, at least when we can, when the stars align or when the situation is right for the ombudsman or for the banks, we're giving those clients their money back when if they'd done it themselves, they might not have done.
0: Yeah. So again, we're touching on different fee structures. So we do damage based agreements for anyone who doesn't know. That's when we take a percentage out of the damages. That the client is awarded, so again you're dealing with completely different clientele to private paying, completely different defendants as well, so you know a lot of firms are multidisciplinary, and that's something again for our sort of viewers to research as part of as part of your own due diligence into your own route. so I'm going to go straight into how we all sort of qualified or what sort of route into law that we went into. It's interesting for me because it might be interesting to hear from a business owner. Um I did have a completely different route to most people. I don't I only know one other person that went through the route that I went down and that's only because I told them about it. <laughs> um and I did the periods of recognised training put. And it's basically an application to the solicitor's regulation authority to advise them that you do the equivalent work of a solicitor. I think the easiest way to explain this is it's basically a dissertation. <laughs> because it was like, I mine was, I mean, it was heavy. It sounds super easy, but it wasn't. It was like two lever arch folders of work. Yeah, I remember it just took out a whole summer. Oh, it was God. such oh, a wow. nice summer. I remember my friends <laughs> calling me up oh jesse you're coming out so we've got this party and i was like no and i remember just sitting at my little white desk just Aww. chipping away and you've got to show different areas so i know that's something that we can talk about because now mm-hmm. they don't and um, particularly need trainees to do different areas mm-hmm. once he's had to be non-contentious so i did mm-hmm. conveyancing for a year which i actually really loved i know that that's, I that's a controversial yeah <laughs> it's quite controversial and, you know Shout out to all the conveyances out there. Like, I <laughs> loved it. Um, it certainly was, like, a lot uh, less stressful than civil yeah. when you have, you know, all the court deadlines yeah. and everything like that. Um, So that's how, that's how I, I went about it. And it was basically, I just wasn't getting anywhere with a training contract. I don't think I was at the right firm fit for me. Mm-hmm. So everything happens for a reason. But I was getting a little bit older and I want to just reassure anyone who's listening you know I qualified when I was about 27 and um, you know one year later I opened my own firm so you don't know what's around the corner you don't know what's for you but I really wanted to take matters into my own hands and I thought I'm not going to get a training contract at this firm what can I do and I looked at alternative routes and that's the whole point of this podcast isn't it because mm-hmm. something came across my desk the other day about solicitor apprenticeships. I didn't even know that existed. Did any of you three?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really, really amazing way
0: to get into it. University isn't for everyone. Absolutely, absolutely not. And I think what's great about the legal landscape at the moment, and everyone, you know, feel free to jump in, is actually, you know, we need that diversity. We need people from different backgrounds. We see it when our fraud department, we actually have non-legal people working there who have a banking background. And it adds so much more value. So yeah. you know, and might not be accessible to everybody. Yeah. yeah.
1: You might, you know, get into university, but it's so expensive now.
0: Yeah. It's you crazy. know, you
1: might not be able to afford how, rent.
0: How much was it for all of you? Because for me it was for me, and you're gonna shout at me, mine was only three thousand pounds wow. a year, but but I was furious because two years prior to me it was free. Yeah
1: it's when you put it like that it's actually, actually so like yeah. it offends me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. I how think much was yours mine nine, was nine grand a year yeah nine thousand two
3: hundred and fifty pound a year in tuition and okay then, i love
0: that you got that to the because yeah,
1: like, yeah. it matters uh, right yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: and then you've got maintenance on top of that now i think the, th- the other important aspect is where you grow up very much depends on how much tuition you, and how much maintenance you actually pay yeah I As a Welsh student, I was able to get a guaranteed £9,000 maintenance loan okay. on top of, and then a percentage of that was either grant or loan, depending great. on the means test. Mm-hmm. But I know in England, the means test determines the actual amount you get.
1: Yeah, mine was means tested. Yeah. So I only got, mm-hmm. in terms of my maintenance loan at the time, I think it was 1100 mm-hmm. and that was based on... Um, whether your parents went to university and how much money your parents earned. Whether your parents bought... went to yeah, university. That is... yeah. Do you think that's yeah. fair? No. I think it's, it's really shocking. I think yeah. it really is. Because when I turned 18 and I went to university, my mum and dad weren't like, paying for my food, they weren't paying for anything. So I had to get a job. Um you know oh, so
0: really strange
1: test. So what does that
2: mean? If your parents didn't go to university, would you get less so you'd money you'd get get grant, a, So you'd get, you'd get, get, a, grant. Oh, get right. a grant. So you'd get a
0: grant Yeah. I think wrongly that if you go to university, you know, you could you could better off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all did. to do with like the social wealth of no, like right. families and things. Yeah. Um I personally I disagree with it. I think you can, um, if you're the first person in your family to go to university, when when I went to university in 2014, you got a
0: grant um, on top of your maintenance loan. Right. Because um, I, I was first generation, but I didn't get an extra yeah. grant. I'm not sure whether I yeah. I knew about it. I yeah. think that's another exactly. issue, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the whole reason why we're doing this podcast. And I don't know all the answers. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. Who's talent? well yeah no one wants to give the money away yeah. you can
1: apply for main- maintenance grants and loans at your specific university um different institutions tend to offer various different types of of help for students yeah um, you do have to apply for it um my friend at university was able to qualify for um a grant to get her book she, she was, was a history student. student so that was a really big you
0: Know because the books, here. hello, they're expensive. Oh my <laughs> god, they were like 35 pounds. Like, off. when do you I buy like, really books all the time? So, I'm like an average reader, and you know, they're like 50 quid. Yeah, these, yeah. Um, these big tax books.
3: We got really lucky at Edge Hill, so at Edge Hill now, at least now, they
0: pull Edge Hill for anyone who's yeah. nature. An yeah. <laughs>
3: we do, um, we have uh Lorto, so they pay a subscription to the Oxford. Um, OUP, Oxford University Publishing, and we get access to all of their legal books and texts.
2: That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Is that only online, however?
3: Um, Online, within certain, um, I think, copyright parameters. You can print certain chapters off. Oh, okay. That's really good. That is good. At my
2: university,
1: I went to university um, at the University of Sheffield. We had a massive law school, and bear in mind, in each school year, there was you Know a couple hundred people, mm. um, and everyone did the same core modules. Yeah, but there was two textbooks per core module in the library, Whoa. and none of it was online, so everyone basically had to buy their right. own textbooks. You know what else is
0: so annoying? You can't even recycle them because yeah. by the next year, they change, especially the law books. Yeah, the law books, you know, laws always yeah. changing, yeah. isn't it? I yeah.
3: think when you get to third year, when the modules become a bit more niche. You have a bit more time for books but when it's like torts for example or criminal mm-hmm. that's getting changed all of the time yeah. and it, it is a huge expense that we could argue we don't need anymore because of the fact that these sorts of publishing sites exist now yeah, yeah it's I,
0: just it's just what it's just one thing to consider oh yeah. isn't it yeah what about your three roofs? are they quite traditional i know yours isn't dora but celeste and james are you quite traditional
1: yeah, I would say my route into law was fairly traditional. I, you know, went to secondary school in Liverpool, um, stayed on for sixth form after doing my GCSEs, Um, didn't actually get the grades that I needed to get into university. Um, Sheffield were wanting three A's and I ended up getting three B's. Me
0: so too. I was going
1: be girls. Dance. Yeah, be girls. Best girls. Yeah, best, best girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was By crying. the way, I just
0: want to remind everyone, I got a 2-2. And now I own a of them. I'm just saying, greeds do not survive. I, I, right. I think the that best is such a lawyers trick. get two yeah. twos. My husband's also got a two two. I think we're just too busy living life. Exactly, yeah. Well
2: we as need to experience them.
0: <laughs> just want to caveat that, though, you have to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It, a bit it doesn't mean that. The yeah. better the grade, the easier it is, to say. But yeah,
1: so I am. Um, somehow I don't know what was going on that year but they let me in which was great I was didn't you
0: tell me a really nice story like having all your family gone to Sheffield yeah so when I was applying
1: for university I was 18 I thought I want to get out of Liverpool Mm. it's such a small bubble everyone knows each other I was kind of like feeling a little bit too big for me
0: (laughs) but it's a nice time to yeah. go and explore say, you should
1: go and explore yeah. shouldn't you if i was if anyone you know is listening who is under 18 or you know is at that point when they're applying for university i would say to anyone to move away because Me it's too. the only time in your life Me where too. everyone is in the same situation yeah. everyone is so welcoming and friendly yeah and the worst case scenario is you really don't like it you can just go home like yeah, it, yeah that's, that's always true. an option you don't have to stick it out if you really I, really unhappy i
0: mean my uncle sent me further I went to Guildford and honestly it was such a mission to get to so <laughs> it was so hard for me to get home it did me the world of good yeah it did me the world of good just being outside of my comfort zone meeting different people from different walks of life yeah it was wonderful so it's certainly something to consider yeah isn't
1: it? I think it's a really really positive experience so when I was applying for university I was you know, not my mom and dad went to Sheffield and my auntie went to Sheffield, so I'd been quite a few times growing oh, up. That,
0: though, I think that's I know really that's such nice. a nice tradition. I mean, like eighteen-year-old
1: Celeste was like, "No, I'm not going there. <laughs> no, everyone's been there." And then um I had a spare place on my UCAS form. I originally wanted to go to Manchester, um, but they didn't offer me a place. um So <laughs> everything happens for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> and so I just had a spare place. I applied for Sheffield because I thought, "I'm nowhere. I probably won't want to go." And then they offered me a place mm. and I went to the open day with my mom and I told her when we were on like the train going, they like, please don't make this be like a nostalgia trip. Like it's about me today. <laughs> All and right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so we went and I had to bite my tongue and be like, do you know what? I, I had loved to be it. I loved really, it. really want to go. And Absolutely so nice. I ended up going. So it's kind of like a family thing,
0: not intentionally, but... Would it's you want nice would you if you had children, would you want your children to go there? Oh,
1: I cool. wouldn't say you need to go there. Well, mm. I would say it's a lovely place to go. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's amazing. James.
3: I was really traditional with my roots. So I did I studied like an A level equivalent to applied law. It was like all coursework pretty much. And that's really where I just fell in love with all the different topics. We did mooting, we did negotiation, we did um
0: Oh, I know you're the master of the moot. I know <laughs> that,
3: James. Um and it was just really fun to deep dive and research as well. So that that was me then. I knew I knew what I wanted to do at uni. Um I initially applied for UOL, Uni Liverpool mm. and I had Edge Hill as a backup. Yeah. Um as a results day as it happens um you were you knew liverpool didn't want me there. um
2: uh, and, Hill's game. <laughs> exactly. yeah.
3: and um i was crushed that day i was absolutely crushed but then i opened up the um it's UCAS. a really huge popular yeah university, yeah. isn't it um and it I is open, cutthroat we do, yeah. we
0: do gloss over how cutthroat yeah. it can be and i sandwich. think on results day it's you've got all the nerves, all the excitement. You've got to make a massive decision about the yeah, rest yeah. of your life on that day. When like, you're I 18. just remember my, yeah. my UCAS day just being crazy.
1: Like yeah. It's just a yeah. blur. Yeah.
3: And the thing is as well, the unis get your grades earlier than you do. So mm-hmm. by the time you've opened that envelope yeah. and checked UCAS, they've already decided your fate. Um, but I will say when we were visiting the uni, when me and my mum were going around doing a tour, um, she drew a line in the uh, along the UK, saying, "This is how far you can go. Oh, You're not going anywhere." The opposite of my mum trying yeah. to so. yeah. <laughs> go the furthest. Literally, she would have she'd have had me in Bangor if she could have. Oh, um, that's me. But, and my children yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs>
3: as soon as she stepped stepped foot on Edgehill's campus and saw how actually beautiful it's gorgeous, it is,
0: isn't it? they're
3: one of the few unis that actually makes money. Like a lot of the yeah. big city unis are in huge debt. You
0: know what, I can tell because their business acumen, their commercial awareness, they just get it. So Mm. where I've seen with more traditional universities, they do more traditional sorts of courses. What really impressed me about Edge Hill and why I'm one of their ambassadors is because they teach these different skills that you Mm. don't get taught. Usually at uni, a lot of the soft skills, a lot of business, they really do try to Integrate you into real life and make it an, as easy a transition as possible, rather than here's your two one off your popwood Yeah, year, you get a career
2: fair
1: yeah. once a year. Yeah, <gasps> oh wow,
2: definitely.
3: literally. Like, I honestly think like when when people anyone who's listening who's still deciding on a uni, as much as names and Russell groups do help with some employees still, regrettably mm. so. That is changing.
0: But I think that's more, if you're going to get a face, yeah. you want to work at a magic circle, then yeah. you know potentially they might not look at mm. Edge Hill as much as they do for yeah. University of Liverpool. Yeah. But then that's a very conscious dis- decision, isn't it? And, and, that really is, and the magic like that. circle fans aren't for everyone. Mm. they actually not, really. not for most people yeah. 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 Of, because it's a yeah. certain select... Yeah. Group, yeah. so it's thinking about all these other things, yeah. and ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, what yeah. you do, what grade you get. Oh, yeah. If you have enough determination, your dreams, you you can yeah. do it anyway. I
3: don't think I'd have nearly as much experience either competitively, yeah. or even just with in what we've done in the department while I've been there. Like, um, we have it's a center for sports law research, so that's really oh that really opened my eyes to a whole new different um, niche of law, you know? And also during COVID, going to smaller unis was actually more beneficial mm. because the lecturers were there for you. Emails any t- time of day, they'd go on Teams and call and you. And that's
0: just st- yeah. in stark contrast no, yeah. to when I've been, so I mentor quite a, f- <clears throat> quite a few um people at sort of university level. They found it really well yeah. during mm. COVID. Particularly there was a strike as well. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. So, you know, that's where you're getting your value. Yeah. And yeah. It, and you can make that comparison with small firms and big yeah. firms. You know, your high street firms, yeah. some people will turn the nose up, but actually you're gonna probably sit with the boss. You're probably gonna do a lot more experience than yeah. you would sure. when you work for large firms where you just assist the system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you the yeah. number. Mm-hmm. So these are all the things to think about.
3: Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: And Dora, I'm really excited to listen about <laughs> your route into law because it's again, it it's is. not it's not your traditional. Is it is it? a bit of a weird route to be honest. Yeah. Uh
2: well it all started when I was Special, around. Like, Special, like yes. yes. Unique. <laughs> there you go. Uh well it started when I was fifteen and for some reason I decided that I want to move to the UK and I said to my mum, I wanna study, I wanna live in the UK without having a specific reason. I blame. Do you know what that reason is now? I never know. I think it's the fact that I love English music and movies and mm, the series. Culture. Yes. I romanticized it so much in my head. So I was like, I'm Did going we to live do... up to your expectations? <laughs> to be fair, yes, you did. I love it here. Whenever someone says, oh, I, I want to go on a holiday. I want to escape this country. I was like, "Boy, oh, it's such a beautiful country. And I'm like literally
0: going to Greece like every holiday. I
2: know. It's the thing that whatever you have, you don't appreciate. Absolutely. You always want something. Um, different so it started then however the only route that I could follow was through UCAS and I had to go to the mainland I I am from we, Rhodes I was just gonna yeah. say can you tell
0: everyone yeah so I am from
2: Rhodes I'm sure a lot of people from the UK have been to Rhodes which is amazing because yeah. uh, <laughs> they always know where I'm from um so I am from Rhodes I had to travel to Athens the capital wow. because the only place that I could take some English exams I don't know if you've heard ILTS so it's basically if you want to um, I have because of you, but not prior. Right. No. So anyone who is from Europe and wants to go to an English university, they have to like give some special exams, and you have to travel. And there's like listening, speaking examinations. So it's such a like a weird kind of stressful procedure, and it takes six hours. And then if that's like, it depends on each university. For example, my university wanted my grade to be above seventy five percent. Wow. And some other universities wanted that to be below or 60 or whatever. So my university then was um Oxford Brooks for some reason. I also had some family in Oxford, so I was thinking that's going to go work great. And thankfully I got my English examination when I was 17. And then I was planning and I did my UCAS. Thankfully, I got um accepted to Oxford Brooks and to um Birmingham, I believe. However, I then had a greater kind of like Uh, research i didn't realize how expensive that would be because i was an international student Mm. so it'd be like 13 so i had some friends who were
0: international students and they their fees were like three times yes exactly
2: they were like fifteen thousand for a year so i was like well i can't afford that (laughs) and i had to give up the dream of um being a lawyer i mean that's
0: super inaccessible isn't it it? because we've just had the conversation about how expensive it is anyway so yeah. it's even worse i don't for anyone even understand coming in the reason behind why
2: is if you're from a different country and uh, you have to pay double i don't know anyway that was the case so then i had to face the reality of why right, i didn't go for my exams in greece in greek schools, so i couldn't get into greek universities because i had decided that i'm gonna to go to england very irrational decision but i don't regret it and i was like what do i do now So then I found online that a lot of English universities offer uh, distance learning um, opportunities for the same degree that a person from here would get. So I started researching and I found the University of Northampton had a base in a big city in Greece, Thessaloniki, um, I'm sure Jeff Oh, that's it. where I'm from. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, that's
0: where I was born. Oh, oh
2: how sweet. That is Meant a to be. cool city. It is so <laughs> cool. It is a cool, it's a student if you're going to study anyway, yes. that is the city That's what, that's what they all say. I've yes. already told everyone Did that you love need it. To, I loved it. Oh, I love like, it. Like, everyone is so friendly. It's like a bit of Sheffield. Like, everyone is like, so studenty, like fun, 24 hours, like clubs, whatever. The club scene there. is
0: really <laughs> decent. So,
2: I was thinking, Whatever, yes, yeah. so I went there and I was like, it was so weird because you entered the premises and you were taught like contract law. And then you went downstairs and you ordered coffee in Greek. And I was thinking, wow, I'm in England, but I'm not in England, so I got the, <laughs> the best of the best worlds. Um, so I did that and it was a really weird experience. It was really weird because I was just um a number. So we had to get examined like the way, the same way they used it. However, we had to send our examinations in England and we were thinking, well, they don't know our ways. What if we had a bad day or something like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, everything went well. And then I got my degree, my undergraduates. And I did some gap years because I realized to do the LPC, I needed 13,000 again. So I was thinking, right, I'm going to do it. I came in England. I was a cheapy girl. As you all know it, <laughs> I worked in a cheapy to try and afford my LPC. So I worked there for 12 months. And then I gathered the money and went for my LBC last year and finished it off. I feel like that needs a snap. Like <laughs> that <you>. is one <laughs> yeah. of the amazing. The chippy, the chippy pod was the best pod I think. Really you loved, loved
0: it. I mean, I you absolutely it. sold it. I you swear. know, in your interview. Did I? And that's another thing for anyone listening. I think sometimes people don't want to put like a McDonald's yeah. or that they worked in a chippy or that they worked for a family yeah. member. Yeah these are amazing things that you should put on your cv yeah you just need to show how it relates to the law what are those transferable skills mm-hmm. because i think if you can save somebody at three o'clock at night at mcdonald's which i know you work at james <laughs> or a chippy and you can save drunk people i bet you'll go customer service on food yeah, so that is you so just true. have to get that through but i think it's really inspiring that what sort of kept your determination because that is a hard route into law like you had a lot of rope I did
2: unless a woman would have gave up there were so many times that I was thinking just give up and do something else but then my mom came from a very disadvantaged background and she was very proud that I was still like holding on to my studies so I was thinking I can't let her down yeah and I'm so proud Your that little I didn't. Brother's like oh so yes and my little brothers I needed to like become a role model for them so you I are. think I am going through that way now. So I'm so proud that I didn't give up. It was just the vision that I had. I forever imagined myself working in a law firm that I'm working now. I always imagined that I work somewhere with lovely views out the window. You know how we see in movies? And it's so crazy. I adore we have, <laughs> She manifested that. I, I did. That out Every the day universe. out there. And I always <laughs> and kept you my are. hope, always positive, no matter what happens. I always think you like, smile it away. It's going to be good. Okay? And we've been so much better. For your present story, we're yeah. really lucky to have you. So that's, like that's a great know. story
0: for anyone listening out there. <laughs> there we go, we've got it a different sorts <laughs> of roots yeah. in, haven't we? Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, People Before Profits. I'm Jessica Hansen. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please can you like, follow, and subscribe, and watch out for our next one.